Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome, this is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and this is the Officer Roll Call Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. Uh, how's it going, Frank? Well, pretty good today, Paul. How are you? Great. So today we're going to talk about uh, SWAT and right gear, and we have a couple of um, stories in the January-February issue of Officer Magazine that we'll kind of review here. One is about um, ballistic shields, and the other is about um, body armor and tactical wear. So we'll we'll, um, we'll start off on the one about shields, but Frank, if we can first just talk about, um, I guess, the, the evolution that you've seen of gear that you use for uh, SWAT and riot control, and a bet, especially on the SWAT side, um, how it's really gone from you know, the, the tactical teams to on the street officers. How has that changed over the years? Well, I think it's important to recognize there is a difference between a bunker and, and a shield. Um, yeah. When you think about riot control, often you see the, uh, the clear um they almost look like they're plexiglass shields mm -hmm. i mean and they exist just to stop objects that are being thrown um bottles bricks bags of stuff nobody wants to get hit with versus the true body bunker which is ballistic and, and will stop incoming rounds um on, on the bunker side when we start talking about shields that officers are carrying on the street to stop incoming rounds there's been a big evolution um in design i mean originally they were all just rectangular that nobody thought beyond uh, that that's that shape. Um, they sometimes they had viewing ports, you know, glass sections uh, that you could see, um, and and then sometimes they didn't. You just had to lower it down low enough so you're looking over the top of it or around the side of it. Um, and and they were heavy. They, they were so thick and they were so heavy. But as the materials have evolved, the designs have evolved. We've seen things that are more ergonomic. Um, easier to see through, provide good protection, work better for the reality of having to shoot around them or over them, and then being carried by one person for any kind of significant period of time. You, you don't think it's heavy, but put a 40-pound shield on your arm and then stick your arm out and hold it there for an hour or so, and your shoulder is just not going to like that very much. Your elbow's not. Um, the weight makes a huge difference. And um, when, when you work in the ergonomics, it's, it's been a great evolution across the last, since I've seen it, the last 40 years. Yeah, so Frank, and especially with the Shields, um, three manufacturers right now, Safariland has the uh, Protect Assault uh, 2VP Ballistic Shield that the uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office uh, just recently uh, equipped its school resource deputies yep. with the... the uh, Blue Ridge Armor has the Vengeance X7 that they just came out with. And um, Point Blank uh, Enterprises came out with the, the Vanguard. And so all three are, you know, single-handed uh, shields that you can you know, hold it with one hand. You can hold your uh, firearm in the other and, and make it so, like, like you said, those traditional bunker shields you would need multiple officers to be on that shield in the SWAT situation and uh, so these can actually be used on patrol you know put in the back of your patrol vehicle 
and um and, and use it when you need especially for you know active shooter situation at a school or a mall or an office complex yeah and we need to remember that when we're talking about it it's one thing for only SWAT officers or SWAT teams to have shields bunkers it's an entirely different world when you start wanting to store two or three of them in a school or have one in everybody's trunk yeah. um you know they do take up space yeah. um the flat ones for instance the uh the ProTech assault um, shield from Safari Land. Um, you know, I wasn't being critical when I talked about the rectangular shape flat shields. They're, they're, they serve a purpose. They do what they need to do, and they're actually easier to store than as compared to uh, that the Vengeance X7 with its curves and the lights and the camera. Mm -hmm. It's it's a little bit more difficult. It takes up a little bit more space. So there are pros and cons to each. I think it's neat that today's shields all seem to have. Um, great view built great viewing ports built in yeah and uh usually lights on the front of them because you never know when that's going to be necessary and uh we get in far too many shootings in low light scenarios and we don't have the right data to make shoot no shoot decisions that light really can have an impact so a, a big, big thing with these shields as you mentioned before the old traditional shields were much bigger they were heavier and uh, technology has played a big role in, in that um, for uh, point blank enterprises. And so their hard armor division is the uh, uh, protective group. Uh, they've used a lot of the technology that they use in um, a lot of their military applications, including um, they used a panel from a helicopter that they were working on and basically base that, use that material to um, create the Vanguard. So it's a lot lighter, you know, these special materials, these companies are using now are a, a lot lighter than um, the old Kevlar based shields of, you oh, know, yeah. of old. Um, so that, that's the big thing. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden they said a smaller shield would, would make a lot more sense or it would work well. It's the fact that they, they have the technology at their hands now um, that in the materials that they can, they can make them. Yeah, the materials is the big difference. The laminates, the alloys, the composites, they're all so radically different from just steel and Kevlar. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think this is something definitely to, to keep an eye on, um, that this can be a trend. Uh, going the smaller shields, there's definitely more options out there now uh, than there used to be. And I, I think that uh, helps, especially when, um, when, when departments are looking for options. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure these... The, these aren't the cheapest things out there to uh, equip every patrol officer with, but as time goes by, I'm sure they'll, uh, you know, decrease in prices. They become um, you know, more, no, more available. I'm sure they will, but I'd, I'd make two observations here. Number one, you get what you pay for. Exactly. So people, yeah. people complain about something being expensive. It's like a motorcycle oh, yeah. helmet. What's your head worth? And then number two, no matter how much expensive it is. It, it, and, and I know everybody's got the realities of budget restrictions, but what's your officer's life worth and, and, and the people they're protecting? I mean, so what? You got to spend a couple of grand on a shield. If it saves a life. Yeah. So what? Anyway. Yeah. 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 I was more saying like uh, equipping a whole patrol fleet with, with these things. I think uh, like Hillsborough County is doing doing it right. They're kind of rolling it out um, to, to their school resource officers and, and waves. So they, they're getting multiple deliveries. Yep. Yeah, at a time to, to outfit them, and uh, I think that uh, those will, you know, hope, hopefully they don't need them, but if they do need them, they'll have them. So, 
Yep. Um, so the, the next article we're going to take a look at is uh, one that you wrote, Frank, about the blurring of body armor and uh, in tactical wear. So do you want to talk about kind of what you were looking at uh, here? And you kind of went through the ev evolution of body armor and um, how how that's used and how carriers have uh, evolved over time. Yeah, I thought this was really neat. I love when I can reference um, something out of society or whatever. And years ago, and when I say years ago, I mean probably the early 90s, um, I was sitting with a friend of mine who said that the movies predict the future. And we were actually talking about the movie RoboCop and how all the officers on patrol were wearing external body armor and helmets. And they were driving Ford Tauruses at the time, you know, the midsize sedans. And then, you know, not here we are, not that far later. And it's been going on for a while. Midsize sedans have now given way to midsize SUVs, but external carriers have become the norm. And that's really, that was an evolution from concealed carriers you know uniform uh, armor worn underneath your uniform shirt to uniforms uh to carriers that are external to your uniform shirt and you so your armor is outside your uniform shirt but some of them still look like uniform shirts they just don't have sleeves and they they have shirts and armor carriers that work hand in hand so it still looks like a good tidy uniform um, a lot of agencies nowadays are just simply going to an external carrier once uh, reserved only for SWAT. It's got either Molly or a hook and loop um, panels on it. Officers are using it as an equipment platform uh, as well as an armor carrier. And uh, the benefit there is that you get all every, you, we, we've had so much on our gun belt for so long and we cause ourselves hip problems and lower back problems and scoliosis and all this other stuff. By getting some of that equipment off of the gun belt, number one, we save ourselves a lot of just plain discomfort. But number two, we save ourselves uh, from long-term injury and disability. And, and we're seeing that platform, that extra space. I mean, it's, it's one thing. We used to have a, a joke about landscape. And, and if you were the 25-year uh, the veteran officer with a 40-inch waist, you had more landscape than if you know, the rookie came out of the academy with a 28-inch waist. Well, he had a foot less belt on his waist and he, you know, where does he put everything yeah. with a vest? It's not as, as, uh, as much of a challenge for that 28 inch rookie for the 40 inch veteran. He now he has even more landscape because he's got all that extra vest material, um, which is actually kind of sad. I, I shouldn't joke about that, but we have seen that, that evolution from concealed carrier to external carrier. Um, and, and it really does start to blur the lines between what's a normal duty vest and what's a, what's a tactical vest? At, at what point does that become what SWAT officers are wearing? And um, how does that, what are the optics of that? How's that perceived by the public? That, that stuff has to be taken into consideration. Okay. And um, I think I would ask you too, when you talk about um, the external carriers being used to also carry equipment, um, when it comes to technology, just like we talked about the shields, how is the weight? decreased in those um that, that apparel you know over time to, to allow to put that other stuff on top of it i would imagine there you know your old style vests were a lot heavier than what you have now oh yeah i mean so if you go back that 30 35 years a good kevlar vest uh with a decent safety rating you were looking at a vest that of uh, the panel was three quarters of an inch or an inch thick and it was heavy i mean you're talking about eight to ten pound body armor um, and it doesn't sound like a lot but when you wear it all day. And then the Kevlar had to be protected from body heat and moisture, sweat, right? 
So it was all wrapped in plastic. So now imagine uh, putting a, a plastic wrap around your body and then putting seven to 10 pounds of material inside of it and putting another layer of plastic wrap on top of that. And then you're going to go work in 95 degree summer day and walk around or hotter. Now they were great in the winter because they helped keep you warm. But in the meantime, they were just heavy and hot. Um, we've come a long, long way. The materials are much lighter with the Spectra blends and, and other blends that they've got. Again, we said this about the shields, composites, um, materials. And then when you add on trauma plates, the trauma plates are even made out of different materials today, uh, the composites and stuff. And it's all so much lighter. It's less than half the weight. So then when you start moving your, your taser or your radio or some extra handcuffs or extra magazines up onto the vest, you still have the same amount of weight on your body, but it's better distributed and more comfortable to wear on a vest versus all of it just sitting on your hip bones. So, you know, to, to kind of blend this article with the one that I wrote about the shields, uh, you, you talk about how, you know, our uh, patrol officers simply transitioning into SWAT uniforms and, and with the shields, are they you know, taking on, in a way, some SWAT responsibilities, even though they're not part of, you know, an, a unit, they're still on patrol, but they're using similar gear now. Um, how has, you know, a, a patrol officer's uh, responsibilities kind of morphed? Well, we saw the big morph. If you look back at the history of it, um, and this goes back almost 60 years now, in 1966, we had the Texas Tower incident. And at that time, there were no SWAT teams. So patrol officers had to figure out how to, to deal with the problem. But then when SWAT teams were developed, patrol officers' jobs became set up a perimeter and, and feed intel to SWAT, and SWAT would go do the work. Um, you know, after Columbine in 99, we realized we can't do business like that anymore. So now yeah. uh, patrol officers have to be the aggressors at times. They have to be a little bit more warrior-like. Um, and when you're when you're doing warrior work, you have to have warrior gear. And I don't mean that any patrol officer is not a warrior at heart. What I mean is if you're doing the aggressive work, you're doing the dynamic entries, you're running into the sound of shots rather than taking up a safe position on a perimeter and waiting. And we can't do that today by any means. We, we have to be uh, aggressors in the name of public safety. Um, you got to have the gear. So the, the shields, the external carriers that allow us better coverage, better protection, higher levels of protection, more equipment, all of this stuff plays a role. Um, you know, there's there's never going to not be a place for SWAT. There's never going to not be a place for hostage negotiators. But the need for uh, the fastest response we can possibly manage from every patrol officer means we've got to equip them and train them appropriately. So that that's where this stuff plays a role. The upgraded the upgraded vests, the upgraded equipment, the shields. That all plays a role in how good of a job we can do when things go sideways and, and we have to go run towards the bullets. And in, in this uh, this podcast, on a lighter note, you talked in your um, article about how you know movies predict our future and mentioned RoboCop and uh, you know the vest that they used. In, in that, um, can you recall you know some things from movies that? depicted what what law enforcement does and maybe some things that law enforcement borrowed um from those movies wow um so movies always depict tasers wrong it, it, well, they'll yeah. never get it right but that's hollywood happening uh, you know i'll go back to robocop um he he drew his weapon robocop did 
and and it was a burst weapon every time he pulled the trigger he fired i think three shots um and there were weapons that did that at the time with the beretta 93r but you would never have that on the street for a patrol officer um it was considered an executive protection weapon but he aimed he didn't have to look through sights his his because he was a robot the gun would automatically his hand would point the gun where his eyes were looking if you will his visor um I, I think we're getting closer to technology. Like right now we have red dot sights on handguns. Yeah. I think we're going to see technology where that red dots on the glasses that officers wear and officers are going to start wearing protective lenses all the time, whether you need corrective vision or not. I think you're going to see officers wearing protective lenses on a more regular basis. And when the red dot sight becomes projected in the lens and all you have to, you don't have to put the gun up into your line of sight. You just pull the present the weapon and point it. And when the red dot, when you see your you look just looking and the red dot on your glasses is on the target, that's where your bullet's going to hit. Um, I think we're looking, we're moving towards that technology. Certainly, uh, you know, and I talk about this, I, it's one of my favorite topics, how we've moved from science fiction to science fact. Tasers and phasers are not that different except for the wires. Um, you know, cell phones and communicators. Uh, electronic key uh, clipboards and and iPads and rugged tablets and all this stuff. There's so much technology growing so fast. Um, I think we've already surpassed RoboCop with the exception of the cop itself and the Android um, patrol units. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's funny. I think we're growing towards the time like we saw in one of the Back to the Future movies where two uh, officers pick up marty mcfly's girlfriend and she's passed out and they take her home they, they scan her they identify her they use her thumbprint to open the door they put her inside and if that's not social work i don't know what is and i think that's the direction we're going with law yeah. enforcement so anyway it'll be interesting definitely will be so i want to thank everybody for joining us on on this episode of the officer roll call podcast as, as always uh, feel tr free to drop us a line. Um, our email is editors at officer.com. If you have any suggestions or anything that you want to add, and uh, is there anything you want to add, Frank? Nope. Like always, Paul, you know, I want everybody to stay safe. I hope they find these podcasts uh, both educational and entertaining. And if they've got ideas for what they'd like for us to cover, I definitely would like to get those emails from them. Like you said, editors at officer.com. We'd love to get that. That's great. And thanks again, as always, Frank and everybody take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.